our lives are so convenient and so comfortable we've lost the kind of hormetic stress which is good stress that we need as a species to feel fulfillment so in in a sense we have to do something difficult and strive for something in order to feel the reward and you know when we have everything at hand like we do you know we have technology we have food we have heat we have everything because we live such pampered lifestyles that we've lost this really central part of what we need as a species which is kind of where cold swimming and extremes of temperature come into the come into play because welcome to the degrees of health podcast we explore the heat the cold and the spectrum of health in between we're after tools frameworks and practices that can help us live well as individuals and as members of tribes groups and gatherings in which we exist this week, we had the pleasure of speaking with Emma O'Kelly. She's a journalist who writes for the likes of The Telegraph, The Financial Times, Condonast Traveller, and is a long-term contributing editor at Wallpaper Magazine. She's also the author of Sauna, The Power of Deep Heat. It's a wonderful book in which we dive into fully. Emma's been on a remarkable journey all around Northern Europe, exploring the different variations and dynamics of the sauna. In our conversation, we speak about how the sauna impacts our physical and social lives, the Finnish concept of sisu, happiness, nudity, and lots more. An old Finnish proverb says, a person without a sauna is like a body without a soul. With that, here's my conversation with Emma O'Kelly. Emma, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Well, it's great we're, to be we're, here. we're big fans of your work and more specifically your book which we have not one, but two copies in our household. So um, we really enjoyed reading it and learned loads. Sauna, the power of deep heat. How did you, how did you end up driving 10,000 miles across Sweden, Norway, and Finland? How does that happen? Well, uh, so normally uh, my day job, I'm a journalist, and I've been at Wallpaper Magazine for years. And I, in 2016, I went to Finland on an assignment uh, to do an art story off an, on an island just off Finland. And um, I was working with a photographer and at the end of the day, the people on the island said, let's all go to the sauna. And we, the photographer who is British as well, we were like, okay. And they got grabbed some snacks and some beers and we all trundled off down to the edge of the lake to this beautiful wooden sauna cabin. And we spent the whole evening kind of saunering and drinking beer and going in and out and actually talking to each other and relaxing and unwinding after the day, the work day, which had been quite intense and really got to know each other and, and felt really good afterwards. And I just thought, why don't we have this in, in the UK? You know, we have a cold climate, we have cold water. This is a, this is sauna like I've never experienced it before. Uh, and I, was drawn to the aesthetics of these sauna cabins, you know, these little like wooden huts with a curl of smoke, painted oxblood red, kind of on windswept hillsides and archipelagos in that part of the world. So I asked the curator on the island to introduce me to a Finnish photographer, which she did, and Maya, the photographer, Maya Astakainen, and I met in Helsinki and came up with the idea that Maya would shoot a few saunas around Helsinki and I'd write a proposal. So we did that. We sent it to lots of publishers in the UK and got rejection after rejection after rejection. <laughs> so we forgot about it and 
just moved on, carried on with our normal jobs. And then in 2019, um, Finnish sauna culture was added to UNESCO's uh, list of um, cultural practices in need of protection. And an editor I'd worked with in the past from a magazine called Hole and Corner remembered we'd done this work, commissioned a story. So we wrote a big six-page story using Myers Pictures. And then came the pandemic. And in the aftermath of the pandemic, a newfound focus on health and wellness. And uh, we, somebody else remembered this work re, and we rewrote the proposal and we got our book deal. And the, the book had shifted from a visual uh, coffee table book about the architecture and aesthetics of sauna to actually what happens inside a sauna and its health benefits. So as well as driving those 10,000 miles, I, I uh, embarked on a 40,000 word uh, research project into actually what sauna can do for your health. So that's it's, where it began. Well, it's, yeah. a, it, it's a lovely story. And um, one question I really wanted to ask, I mean, there's so many off the back of it from where you go and the sort of I meant please you mentioned design all the biophilic design I enjoyed that bit as well um what surprised you most out of the trip because there was so much going on I just love to love to understand that oh well there was so much going on and uh firstly I need to say that I could not have done this book without Maya I knew nothing about saunas apart from what they look liking the way they looked and Maya being Finnish uh grew up she has a sauna in her house. She has her tent sauna, which we photograph for the book, which when she goes around in her van, she takes her tent sauna with her and she just pops it up next to a, a lake or somewhere that she feels like having a, a decompress and it takes about half an hour to warm up. And she is the person who know, knows everything about sauna. So uh, it was very much under Maya's guidance. I was on a very steep learning curve. You know, I couldn't, in the beginning, I couldn't even take the heat. <laughs> so I'm a cold swimmer, which I've been doing for about six, seven years, uh, swimming in the Hampstead Ponds and in the Parliament Hill Lido, where, which I know you, you both visit as well. Uh, but uh, the heat was next level, you know. I couldn't, I found it really difficult, really challenging, and I'd have to get out after a few minutes. And, but like the cold bit by bit over time my body started adapting to the heat and um I got got more used to it as I went along and so the book very much is my sauna journey from knowing nothing to being a total sauna addict which is where I'm at now like like many a Finn <laughs> I'm addicted <laughs> yeah and um just think it's something that really rich enriches your life when I feel very lucky that I discovered sauna the actual uh experience of sauna okay perfect perfect segue to my next question so i've had this long debate with my dad back and forth you know i'm preaching all the health benefits of sauna i'm you know i'm coming at it from different angles and he's he's on the fence he's almost there but he's he's a little little nudge what would you say to someone like my dad who's on the fence with making sauna a part of their life um but needs a little push so what do you mean when you say on the fence? What's what are his reservations? He 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 likes the idea of it. He he, anecdotally he can hear people like yourself with their stories, but he just needs a little nudge. He needs that final push to incorporate this into his life. What would you say to someone like that? Well, I, if he lives in the UK, it's difficult to find really really good sauna experiences. You know, like I don't know if your father's like I was, which was 
the sauna was to me a little box inside of a gym that was kind of either a bit unloved or poorly ventilated or not very clean or all of those three things. And I wasn't my favorite place in a, in a, in a spa. It would always be the steam room for me. But I guess if he's resisting because he's, he doesn't want the, the heat, then just stay in for a few minutes and just don't feel that you're under any pressure to do anything big or long in there um and uh ideally combine if you can combine it with cold um if you when you get out if you're too hot just cool down with some cool water and if he has the chance to uh i mean as i say in the book you can do a lot in a sauna space it can be a really immersive space it's not just about sitting on a bench overheating on your own it, as uh, as I discovered, uh, in the countries where sauna is part of everyday life, there are so many rituals involved in it. So you can pour water on the rocks, which is the first thing. Maybe that if you can get him into a sauna where you can pour steam on the rocks, he might find that he enjoys, especially if you put some essential oils in the rocks, then it smells mm. really nice and the steam wafts around and it's a different experience. And that's... Um, that's a kind of uh, a core feature of the sauna in the countries we visited. This, the, the, the steam, the lolu, they call it in Finnish, which uh, has to be present. And um, maybe you could go in with him and encourage him to, to, I don't know if he's someone who likes talking or sitting in silence in the sauna, but you can do both. Anything I mean, goes. You don't have the... to be naked. In fact, in the UK and Norway and lots of places and in Finland, you can. it's not compulsory to be naked. And a lot of the time people are not naked and they're in separate, gen differently divided gender sessions, you know. Mm. So I don't know yeah. if that's one of his uh, yeah reservations, but... Well, it's it, it's good. I think um, it's so multifaceted how, like, if you were to sell the sauna to someone of like, okay, here's why you should care. There's so many different approaches you could take. And I think a lot of, especially British people, it's it's quite a vulnerable thing. You're semi-naked and you're in this hot box. So w why am I going to go yes. and do that? And it's, yeah. is it a health angle? You know, uh, having a sauna 20 minutes a day, six times a week, your rate of dementia drops by 60%. That's an impressive yeah. found uh, implication from a study but if that was a pill it'd be so much easier yeah. and people would adopt it for and i think for a lot of people they go for a health benefit and they walk away with this communal social aspect they didn't quite um see they didn't quite realize up front but i think it's something about the the heat and the vulnerability that it's just the perfect environment for this amazing social connection how did you how did you um experience those different pockets of communities in you know in Estonia and Finland and Sweden like, how, how did that community piece um I guess what did you learn from that community piece that it's uh, that in those countries it's absolutely central to life you know going to the sauna is a thing that people do either as a family or as a group you know typically it's once a week but if you can go more as you said the more you can go the better the health benefits but obviously lots of people can't go for more than more than once a week and it tends to be a, something that lasts a good few hours it's not just a quick 15 minutes and then you go get dressed and go home it's okay everyone gets together the family in Estonia you know typically a family would come together and have a sauna night at the weekends and people would make food and 
you go in multi-generational quite often the women and the men do go separately but you can go together and there's a there's a kind of understanding that in a community sauna you don't talk about politics or religion or difficult topics and you resolve arguments before you go in there so it's a space where you do connect and i found that you can talk on a, you can have deep conversations in the sauna with with strangers especially if it's quite dark you know people will share share big things that they wouldn't necessarily talk to talk to people about in in a in a conventional setting or you can sit in silence there's no rules no one's judging you if you don't want to talk and you want to be quiet and and not join in it, it's not rude or antisocial it's it's okay so it's it's a space where anything goes in terms of communication which is really interesting because there are not that many situations which we in which we live where that that happens I don't think and that was really interesting as the uh, uh how people do communicate in a sauna I mm. found yeah I think in England there's definitely a space for that I think pub culture is wonderful and rife in its own way but I think the fostering environments that create that vulnerability or create that space just to sort of say I'm actually having a pretty shit day today um yeah and, but weaved into everyday life I think is what I mean, we, we went to Finland, a, a very smaller research trip um, than your lovely adventure around Northern Europe. And um, that was the thing we, we came home with, with. It feels so normal just to go to a sauna every day and chat to whoever. And it's just, it just felt very natural. And it felt very aligned with how humans are meant to be. And then you go back to London and no one wants to look at you on the tube. Don't talk to me. I'm in a rush. There's, there's not so much of that warmness. Um, no really isn't really isn't that kind of segues into a point where um the there was a lovely line from your book from norway uh, sorry finland's uh, most famous wild water swimmer and she said i'm actually going to read it um because i might butcher the the line and i don't want to do that because it's a lovely line um i believe sisu is a big part of why finland has been nominated for the happiest country for the fifth year in a row yes Firstly, what is sisu and then what? why why is it important so Sisu is an underlying, one of the pillars of, the, one of the foundations of Finnish society. You know, it's been a, it's a concept that everybody understands and it means guts or resilience or toughness in the face of adversity. Uh, and uh, as Maya, the photographer said, you know, Sauna and Sisu are, are Finland's two superpowers. Without, without them, you know, so society's, thrives on those two things and you know how else do you survive the minus 25 degree winters without them and yes the swimmer Paivi who you're referring to she uh she swims every day and she goes on huge swimming adventures where she drags a raft with all her possessions and her food on a raft and she'll swim you know she'll swim around Finland and she's actually written a book about that and she'll dig her own ice hole if it if there's not an ice hole where she needs to get into the water she has an ice saw and she'll cut through layers of ice and and get in and she just gets on with it she said I don't think about it too much I don't expect much more I I know what it is and I deal with it and that is also Sisu. <laughs> she she is the epitome of Sisu. <laughs> is she a happy um, lady? Oh yeah, 
Well, yeah, she seems to be. I mean, I uh, I've spoken to her a few times, and she she yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, Finland, obviously the the Finland being the happiest nation, and other factors come into play, like decent health service and childcare and all those things. But Sisu and Sauna are <laughs> definitely part of that story. Mm. I would say, yeah. It's um, it's uh, when I read it. It reminds me of, for me, life is good when it's a first order struggle and then a second order bliss, whatever it is. You know, you go in a cold, cold pool to swim. It's, it's like daggers on your skin. It's, it's uncomfortable in the best kind of productive way. But then after you've got this immense feeling of bliss from the cold or the dynorphin when you're in a sauna. Yeah. It's the well, feeling there's... you get out and followed by endorphin. So, I mean, I think it's central for fulfillment, which is like an in uh, sort of a roundabout way for happiness, I think. But, well, um, there's this kind of school of thought. There's a book called um, The Comfort Crisis, which is saying and it, uh, that we have our lives are so convenient and so comfortable. We've lost the kind of hormetic stress, which is good stress that we need as a species to feel fulfillment. So in, in a sense, we have to do something difficult and strive for something in order to feel the reward. And, you know, when we have everything at hand, like we do, you know, we have technology, we have food, we have heat, we have everything because we live such pampered lifestyles that we've lost this really central part of what we need as a species which is kind of where cold swimming and extremes of temperature come into the come into play because I mean we don't mean stress like being on a cramped uh metro in a rush hour we mean stress like jumping in a cold pool and then getting out and like you say the, the physiological things that happen to our bodies as well so it's a kind of growing, growing school of thought, and and to me that makes total sense. And as you know, you know, swimmers, we all, we all talk about this rush and this high and how it makes us feel whole or feel better. And I, I really think there's something in it. Yeah, personally. I, I, yeah, me too. I think it's it's something everyone can relate to anecdotally in their own experience. I feel yeah. better when I go to the gym. I feel better when I resist the urge to look at my phone when I'm meant to be focusing on something. I feel better when through some cold exposure, like first order struggle, second order bliss, whatever it is. And I think this realm falls into that. And yeah. um, have you, uh, have you got more Sisu in your life from your trip? Well, I have because another of the, so from, from the trip, I, had to face a lot of challenges. It was difficult in a way, like technical challenges with doing the book, shooting in that heat, trying to remember everything that was being said in the sauna, because obviously you can't take a phone, so you can't record and you can't take a notebook because it just gets soggy. So uh, <laughs> I had to be, that That wasn't really Sisu, but it was challenging. And the nudity was Sisu. I mean, finding your inner Sisu means finding your uh your strength when something difficult is in front of you. And for me, nudity, especially in a mixed sauna environment, was difficult. I found that challenging and I had to overcome it because I had to be naked sometimes. And uh, it was that, that was another area where I had to dig deep and find my sisu. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I loved, um, I loved reading that because it's such a natural thought that goes on inside everyone's head but externally people will never let show that um that kind of uh, innate fear especially a british fear 
I liked yes. your, your husband's anecdote of his um, his time in the sauna in Tallinn, I think it was, yes. where, you know, maybe it might have been some place for a gang meetup or perhaps some, because he can't conceal weapons and things like this. I had a very similar experience um, in Finland. My, my partner, Ella, we, she was planning the itinerary and we we're walking to the outskirts of Finland for a bit. And we're walking a bit too long. It's like 20 minutes, turns to half an hour, half an hour, turns to 40. And it's about minus 13 outside, so it's freezing. And we get to this sauna, the oldest one in Helsinki. And we walk in and a very blunt female's left, male's right. I'm like, okay, fine. I don't know about the naked thing yet. So I walk into the sauna just in my, in my swimmers and around me is 30, 35 naked Finns all speaking Finnish. And the conversation just seems to stop as I walk in. <laughs> And I'm the only one, you know, I'm the only one in clothes. So I thought actually this is the, the most sensible thing to do is just to take off my clothes and just join in. So it was, it, it, it's, uh, it's definitely a learning curve, especially for Brits. Do you yes. think, do you think, why don't we have this in the UK? Why, why does it all over Northern Europe, but not in Britain? Not the naked, what, the, the sauna The nudity, culture. you mean? More specifically, oh. the sauna culture. And then maybe does the sort of prude British... Uh, aspects play into that what do you think yeah I mean it's difficult to know why we don't have either of those things because our climate is not so different and obviously it's a bit warmer but it's not it's not hot in the winters here (laughs) and I just don't really know the answer to why we're it's why we're so prudish or so reserved about nudity it's definitely not in our culture to be naked and to grow up you know, in families, being naked around grandparents and things like that, which which for Finns and Estonians, it's all very normalised. And I think it's really healthy that it's normal as well. I wish we had that because I think it really helps with body images and self-esteem. And the more the more bodies you, I came across personally, you know, bodies of all shapes, sizes, age, everything. And you know, saw loads of scars and this and that. And, and you think, wow. It's really healthy to see that and to get over your own inhibitions about your own body uh, and to not be judgmental about people's bodies either. And um, you really feel like nobody nobody is judging you when nobody's looking at you. Nobody really is bothered that you're naked apart from you yourself or in my case, me, myself. <laughs> and um, I don't know if it goes back to the Victorians or predates that because we've We've never really been been into it, but maybe it's because we haven't had saunas. Mm. We haven't had the space where actually stripping off and being naked and it being okay. There, there isn't really anything in our culture going back that I can think of. No, n- neither. I think uh, I think the nudity is downstream of vulnerability, and I think vulnerability is downstream of more of these spaces that are just slightly off piece, a bit outside the norm of our culture. Um, but there definitely needs to be more areas like this in the UK. I, I mm. think. Do you, in the book, you go through lots of lovely examples of sauna and lots of different variations of it. And there's a nice quote in the book of this. Um, it, what, what are we going to take from the tradition of sauna and what are we going to make uniquely ours? And you reference like British culture, a lovely melting pot of all these different cultures. Where do you see that? I don't know, the future of British sauna culture going? 
Oh, that is what is so exciting. So even though we're a bit prudish, we are very open-minded in that way, I think. You know, we we are we embrace things from other cultures all the time. Think of our food or uh, lots of things we do. We're very open and sauna culture is the same. And it, what's exciting about it at the moment in the UK is that it's a very young thing, fertile ground for loads of ideas, uh, which lots of people have got. There's loads of enthusiasm uh, one of the one of the kind of incubators is Hackney Wick uh, Community Sauna Bars, where they they experiment with all kinds of things. So they have Lithuanian whisking or Estonian whisking, and then they have Alfgus, which is uh, putting ice balls on the rocks and then wafting the steam around with towels, which has its roots in Germany. Then they they're doing grief saunas there. They're doing storytelling myths sessions uh, it so art sessions draw life drawing classes in the sauna so there is so there's it's very exciting because there's so many ideas and there's so much we can do because we're not bound by any traditions or any rules of or any we don't know what is an optimum sauna and how you know, in Finland, they're very strict about the height of the benches and and the do's and don'ts. People have written lots of books about that. But for us, we're open to try everything. And that is what is really exciting, I think. Mm. Um, and it, it's it feels like it it's on the cusp of something, something here. And it's it's all age groups as well that and all all you know all genders all age groups it's really inclusive it it's it's um really exciting what's happening in the uk you just need to get it more embedded <laughs> yeah well i mean this is part of part of the conversation we're trying to foster there are all these people out there who like this independently let's let's all collaborate yeah. and have the conversation together um i think it's an interesting point about the dogma i mean most innovations happen outside the field and i always say this to my to eloise my partner who we were on the call with before um the best pizza i've ever had was in japan because they took the best bits and they remixed it and did it yes. in their own way it was wonderful and like why can't you have uh, a remix or a spin on sauna in our own way that actually expands on the tradition um i think it is exciting and it's uh, a very friendly lovely community as well very open yeah, and very i yeah, agree lovely. and actually so the nudity conversation is is not really even part of it. And actually, I think it's not going to happen that we're all going to be naked in the sauna. So we should just move on from that. And it's a, it's a you wear your swimsuits and that's fine. And that's what it is, uh, because that that has been a bit of a, a stumbling block for some people. They're afraid of that, as we've discussed. But if we just say, look, it's it's not naked it's but all these amazing things can happen in there so don't let that put you off that you're in a swimsuit and so there's there's a lot that there are there are a lot of stumbling blocks for lots of british people lots of hurdles but i think with the right going about it in a certain way we can get there and get more people in which would be amazing i um, completely agree i completely agree um the I'm choosing where we go on next. The um, lovely line in your book by Wim Hof, which says, the heat and the cold are our great teachers. What have yes. you learned from the heat and the cold? Well, I learned about the cold first because that was the, the swimming I began about seven, eight years ago. And that, again, that helped me with, I went with my neighbours as a group of us 
we went to the women's pond and there were five of us and we all did it together and we felt this incredible camaraderie and huge sense of achievement going in a cold pond in the middle of winter never ever ever thought I could do that because I suffer from Raynaud's which by the way has now gone so my circulation has improved and all the kind of anxiety and fear around cold water that's that has gone and you kind of embrace the cold because you, you you know the winter's not boring anymore like it used to be you're like oh great I can go swimming in the in the cold <laughs> in so fact good. heated pools are like oh no I'm not going in that it's too boring now but um no no I'm joking but and it's the same with the heat so after I uh, when I had started adapting and feeling uh comfortable with that I now really look forward to going in a sauna because I sweat and I didn't used to really sweat much before you know I'm not a particularly sweaty person and now it uh, the sweating begins really quite quickly much more quickly than it used to and that's really good for your skin I've noticed loads of improvements with eczema and dry skin and things like that you know your skin it's a big organ and it, it gives that a workout and generally of course all the mood lifting that that they say that lots of um there's been a study that just come out actually about um men in the netherlands going in regular hot cold sessions and how it's reduced cortisol stress hormone by 30 percent and so the hormones that come out in, in both hot and cold but talking about the sauna you know you get serotonin and dopamine levels in increase cortisol levels go down so you feel good and you it, it's a it's a chemical reaction that happens that makes takes you to that place and um you know there may be some anxieties in the beginning about i have low blood pressure so i'd feel dizzy quite often and quite faint and that's a bit unnerving but again that for me has gone now because my body has got used to it so there's lots of things like the swimming you know it's a bit it, it can be a bit anxiety inducing in the beginning but when you get through that you realize there's so many benefits and you feel amazing after the sauna mm. tired and a bit sauna brain sometimes but in a good way and then you sleep can helps you sleep better in Japan, that's one of the big selling points of sauna sessions is that you get a good night's sleep. It's a big belief around sauna culture there. Definitely. I mean, I, I can, I like to sauna in the evening for that sleep, the sleep benefits. And yeah, yeah everything you said resonates on a, on, a, on a big level. I think the, uh, the, you really get to know yourself at the extremes. I think when you, you know, you think you can't stay in the cold for so long or even actually get in the cold in the cold pond and you do and that over time compounds and you get the right physical habits but then also the mental habits of as you said that resilience piece of like oh no I can do that I've been here before I'm fine um yeah and yeah. if you something is challenging and you think come on I I, I can get in a co I can get in a cold pond at three degrees in the winter I can de I therefore can deal with uh, a difficult meeting or or something you yeah. realize that you've been able to dig deep on other occasions and you can do it again yeah, Stephen from HR is nothing compared to the cold water, right? You know, it's <laughs> absolutely <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, the I'm, I feel like I'm quoting you back to yourself lots, but you write well, so I'm going to do it unapologetically. Um, unlike the pub, this is you wrote this in for a piece uh, of writing for the Guardian. Unlike the pub, 
Everyone is semi-naked, sweating, stripped back. Job title, wealth, celebrity, and status left firmly by the pool. Can you talk to the sauna as like a leveler? It, I noticed that no one in any sauna I've been in in, uh, in Finland was asking anyone of like, what do you do for a job? What do you, what you're about? Anything like this. Um, how, how do you think it works as a leveler? Well, that's what they all say. It is a great leveler. Everyone's equal because everyone's naked. So, uh, and also the whole thing about hiding weapons up your sleeves, you know, you can't be, it's not a dangerous place. So dangerous people can go into the sauna <laughs> and, uh, but, but nothing can actually be done in there that's <laughs> going to physically harm someone else. Uh, and um, I think it is a great leveler and it, it, you know, you don't, you don't, nobody looks particularly at their best when they're red and sweaty and half naked. And that's, that also brings, it takes the status away from your job title or what you look like or how you present yourself. And I think that's all uh, really positive. And actually the Finns and the Estonians, they, they all do lots of, they have a thing called sauna diplomacy where they, they do lots of high-level meetings in the sauna, and actually, uh, they both ha shared a. They both share a, a superpower, who they have to have had to kind of negotiate with over the years, and they would very often get Soviet officials in the sauna and do deals and uh, work out uh, things that would bring bring them results you know in Estonia they built these kind of cool off uh terraces outside the saunas called Ezrams and what they'd sit there they'd get the Soviets in in the steam and then they'd come out and and everyone's in a good mood post sauna and they'd they'd negotiate their food rations or whatever it was they were trying to negotiate and likewise Finland uh did lots of uh deals with the Soviets um in the sauna so that's on a political level, but that the fact that that's on a political level shows that that also works, you know, on a very small scale domestic level. Or mm. uh, I think I think there's so much truth in that. I think I mean I, massively. I think context shapes behaviour, and I think there's something about the context of a hot sauna which fosters itself for very kind of difficult conversations. You can have them obliquely. You're, you're, you're there for to get hot in a box, and if actually this other thing in the back of our head that we're putting off to talk about might be a good time to do it. I mean, international relations, when I won sauna, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> also loneliness, you know, loneliness yes. is a, is a huge, huge um, challenge in our societies and, and in the Nordic societies too. And that's probably more so there where it's very remote people living out in really remote places and the coming together and just, even if you, you go into the sauna and you don't know anyone, you can just talk to the person next to you about something. And it's just having someone to talk to. I think that's really important as well. Yeah. Um, I've, I've recently read a book that I'm sure you've heard of called The Good Life. And it's from the largest study done by Harvard ever. And they started in the 1920s, following the lives of people all throughout their lives and all the way through each different stage. And now they're following their children. And it was, okay, so how... Do you, what are the factors that play a role in a long and happy and healthy life? And the number one thing above fitness, above everything, was the quality of your relationships and your social connection. Um, yeah. In your book, you mentioned that the NHS is prescribing um, social activities. Started to. 
Do you think the sauna has a role to play in that prescription? Absolutely. And it's something that, so there's an organization called the British Sauna Society, which is very, um, it's, a, it's small and it's niche at the moment, but there are on the, on the kind of board of there, there's a couple of doctors on the board of the uh, British Sauna Society, and they are really trying to push to get social prescribing, which is what you're talking about, things like gardening or going for walks in the park with someone they want to get sauna added to the the list of uh, social prescriptions so that doc GPs can can recommend a sauna session to someone and they can go and have a sauna session free of charge. I mean, this this is what people in Sweden, doctors in Sweden and Finland are all trying to do. In Finland, this happens in certain places, and the Swedish sauna society are trying to get GPs to prescribe this as well so it's a in amongst the really hardcore sauna world where practitioners are, are working with hospitals and so on that this is a conversation I mean you know we it's hard to imagine that in the UK right now when you look at the state of the NHS and even getting an appointment with a GP it, frankly is really difficult let alone a, a being prescribed a free sauna session but if only, and why not further down the line? Um, it's it's like you say, like you say, people need to go and meet other people and talk to other people and feel when they're feeling isolated to have some something to do that will lift them out of that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how to uh, how we can get that to happen but it would be great if we could and i know the british sauna society and others are trying well, so you, your book will definitely play a part in the argument i'm sure and foster that, that conversation hope. further 100 hmm. it's a lovely reading. actually just just on it i know you've mentioned your um the maya who did the photos yeah and went with you on the trip wonderful photography and i think just uh would like just put that in there as well i think it's it's, it's a really lovely words and lovely pictures to match in the book um and uh it's a thing in northern europe and it adds to the quality of life through the community they get you know you need a community a tribe a group whatever you call it everyone needs one um or like the the inverse of that would be the worst human punishment you can do is solitary confinement so it's like the yeah. extreme if it really shows the need for it Plus, you get the health benefits of, um, actually, there's another line in your book, which I've completely forgotten, but it's essentially around the theory of uh, depressed people have a high, higher temperature. And actually, going in the sauna, they can um, regulate their, their core body temperature in a more efficient manner to sort of bring that down. Yeah. There's a study being done that uh, in America by a doctor called Charles Raisin, who says that... Um, Depressed people don't sweat as uh, as much as other people, and that so it's a kind of and again there's a, the the research is in its early stages, but so he has been taking depressed people, you know, a group of depressed people, and heating them up in these kind of heat chambers that aren't saunas, they're individual pods, and the head their heads are not in the heat, so it's different. But the bodies are they they're heated up to like ninety degrees, and they spend a good hour good amount of time more than an hour in there heating up and then cooling down in this one place and he noted that they they felt much less depressed 
for weeks afterwards. So it was like the idea of heating up. People with depression should heat themselves up and sweat and that this will help with their depression. And I mean, if more studies can be done on this, that would be huge mm. um, in terms of what's happening to the hormones and the chemicals in the brain. It's not, not known exactly yet what's going on there. But it is a really interesting um, route, I think. Definitely, definitely. It's just so multifaceted. You could look at, I mean, you can talk about what leads to li- what it, what it means to live a good life, and you can talk about well, social connection and pain relief. You know, people, okay, lots of go. people live with long term pain that you you can take medication for it, but obviously then the effects of the medication wear off and the addiction levels rise. I mean, look at <laughs> opioids being mm. one example of that and that if you can go in the sauna and uh, help your arthritis or you know if you've got fibromyalgia or something and you can it can pr- provide a bit of relief then that is also going to make you feel better and help your life help you live a happier life so there are there are so many uh health benefits and the problem is the research um, there was a very, very seminal Finnish study that happened over 20 years, which you probably know about by a Finnish cardiologist called Yari Laukanen. And he took a group of Finnish men from Eastern Finland and he monitored them for 20 years and tried to measure their health benefits on their regularity of sauna bathing. The ones who saunaed four or five times a week, uh, ended. he then measured their cardiovascular illness uh, illnesses and found them that they dropped by up to 50% cardiovascular problems in the in the group who saunered four to five times a week and the the benefits stayed even if you had one sauna a week you know you reduce your risk of cardiovascular illness he found this in the study which was published in 2019 and has pro- provided a lot of excitement and interest in the sauna and the heat bathing world because it's kind of a seminal study um and so hopefully that's paving the way for more research and more studies and uh that you know he's he's the go-to really on on his look the the long-term study he performed but uh there are other things happening his i mean his research is wonderful and i think uh I mean, anyone of who's interested, you can go to PubMed and type in sauna and click the last five years, and his name will come up. Yuri Lauk. I always forget how to pronounce the his last I think name. Yuri Laukan. And- yes, yeah. I mean, I hope. I hope. Sorry if I've butchered that, but yeah, fascinating. Very e- and, and easily digestible papers to read, and I think it answers a clear why as to the sauna. Um, I have a few people who will kick me if I don't circle back to your Reynard story. Could you just could you just tell that story for the listener? Because I think it's quite 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 personal and a lot of people can relate well i mean uh i don't really i i always have suffered with rainers since for years so um that was why i didn't think i'd ever be able to be a cold swimmer because i feel the cold you know i i i really do feel the cold and um i did the whole uh started with the boots and gloves obviously the neoprene which really also helps with the cold swimming which is a good starting point for everyone and I just have noticed that I've generally 
I think I had a bit of fear of the cold. I was always somewhere be like, oh no, winter, oh. Complain about it, turn the heating up high, put on lots of jumpers and think, oh gosh, I can't wait for the spring. And now I really don't think like that. Cold is my friend. And I never, ever thought I'd say that, ever. And um, that is really empowering, actually, to think that, it, it, okay, it's cold outside, but it's not going to, I like it now. It, that therefore means that sort of six months of the year, I'm a happier person than I used to be because I've changed my attitude towards the cold. Um, and, and the rain has gone. It really has. I get it very occasionally, but usually not when I'm swimming. It'll suddenly take me by chance some random moment. But but no, it's it, I've really noticed it. And actually, my best friend suffers much worse with it than I do. And, and she has started unbelievably going in the cold water, starting with a sauna in her case to get her in. And I'm really urging her to keep going with it because I think it will probably really help as well. So, Do you think it was the cold? Would you attribute it as the cold or the yeah, combination contrast the therapy? Because I wasn't doing saunas. I only started having saunas when I started doing the book. So I started cold swimming in probably 2018 and then started actually going in saunas in 2022. So it was the cold for sure. But um, yeah. That's fascinating. And, and those people are not going to kick me now. So. And please, and please, we we touched on that. Um, it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable book and a remarkable thing you've put together, and an important book for lots of reasons we've covered: the, the social reasons, the the health benefits, the feeling of you're part of something beyond just yourself, a community, a tribe, whatever it is. Um, are there any like, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty conscious of time, and uh, and you you got to run. But the what what are your parting words to people who are, I guess like curious about this temperature, curious about the hot, about the cold. And I guess if you, if you could talk to sort of the, the fringe benefits that people might not expect going in, but they might come out with. I think it's a real sense of achievement, actually. For somebody who doesn't like, probably more with the cold, because that's, in a, in a way, that's harder to get into a cold, to do a cold immersion is harder probably than going in a sauna initially but when you get really into sauna bathing that heat can really take you to a place which I haven't really talked about you know you can uh you can go into the the deep heat is transportive mentally and it takes you sort of totally out of yourself and when you're really battling with the heat like you are with the cold it's the same kind of process that you're going through mentally you're really really trying to force yourself and uh, stay in and your brain, things just melt away. Trivial things that maybe you've been worrying about or small things or problems that you can't solve. I find that when I've had a really hot sauna and really gone out of myself, I find that I've either parked all those niggles and worries and left them by the wayside or I've actually even found an answer to something I was grappling with um for me that that and other people I interviewed along the way said the same thing you know that the the and the and in the book I talk about the spiritual side of that journey with the heat you know how in the olden days that they believed that 
pouring the steam that you pour on the rocks was the uh, portal to the ancestors and to deeper wisdom and knowledge and that you could find answers in the steam, that you would find answers in the sauna that you wouldn't find outside the sauna. And that is obviously all connected to the heat and to to taking your brain to a different place. And I think that spiritual journey is also really interesting, uh, how, how the, the sauna is the kind of liminal space, can be a liminal space, or the Japanese call it a third space. It's not work, it's not home, it's not, not a social, social place, but it is. It, so it's this new space. Mm. And you, you can go deep with sauna if you, if you want it to take you to a deep place. It can take you to a deep place. I used to play, I'm not recommending this, I used to play a very stupid game with my friend who we used to go to the sauna and we used to say, okay, no matter what, 25 minutes, we're not getting out. And it was, I mean, we were a bit younger, but don't, <laughs> don't advise that, it's not healthy at all. However, um, we took a play ourselves to very mental states you didn't really know you could uh, get to. Um, and there's something really profound about that. And I'd say to the listener who's listened to this on the tube or in a context that's not a sauna, and you hear the sort of the spiritual benefits of you could go to a different place and you think, okay, that's it's a bit much for me. Try it. Go to a sauna, go do 10, 15, 20 minutes, cool off for a bit, and then go, go back and do another 10, 15 minutes. And mentally, all your worries of the day, they're gone. You'll, you'll really get to know yourself and you'll see yourself in a different, different light. Um, and anecdotally, it's something like yourself, Emma. I know myself, the friend I was doing this stupid challenge with and many <laughs> other people, there's something about the sauna that they can't quite put the finger on, but mm. it makes them feel more alive, more human, I think. It's true. And in a way, because the science, because the science isn't there yet to prove it, it's something that we know, but we can't prove. So it makes it all the more mysterious and mystical somehow. Mm. There's, there is that spiritual element that, that everybody talks about, but, but we can't explain why that happens in any logical way, but it definitely does happen. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that actually writing, the, going in the sauna when I was writing the book about saunas would help me get my words in order sometimes. You know, I'd be grappling with an idea and then I'd go and have a sauna and it would crystallise. So, so um, you know, I think I'd have got more stressed writing the sauna book if I wasn't actually going in the sauna. <laughs> I think if it was a book about something else. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of active, active research. I think uh, there's something with memory and heat and cold. You know, if I, if I have to pitch something, I'll go in the sauna and like, hopefully no one's in there, but I'll pitch it. And I, my recall is better after practicing something in the sauna for some reason. Emma, I could talk to you all day. You're wonderful company. And uh, it was really, really fun. Where can people find you? Where can they find your wonderful book? Well, the book is available on Amazon and on WH Smith. And you can find more about the book on my website, which is emmaokelly.co.uk. And um, that's, yeah, Instagram, emmaokelly10 is my uh, name on Instagram. And yeah, that's, but the book, yes, you can get the book easily. It's readily available. Sauna, so. The Power of Deep Heat is my dad's Christmas present. Don't tell him, oh. hopefully we'll make it this far. Well, into the episode. let me know how your dad gets on. <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> I absolutely will. We'll get him in there. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I'm sure of it. good. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's pleasure. been really good. Yeah. Cheers, Emma. Thank bye. you. Okay, bye, bye.